Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, good morning. You can be seated. It's good to see everyone here this morning. If you would take your Bible, please open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. How about this teen takeover? Isn't this great? I, uh, let's give them a round of applause. Um, I bet some of you are like me, and you're watching the teens as you come in. They're, they're greeting in the parking lot. They're serving coffee. They're worship, leading in worship. And you're probably like me, looking back, thinking, boy... I wish I could have been there when I was a teenager. How about anybody like that? Uh, A lot of wasted years for some of us, but uh, thank God we're on the Lord's side now and uh, we can influence our youth for Christ. And uh, this is just glorious to see this. Um, As you know, Pastor uh, Rands has been in the Dominican and uh, they took a little mission trip there to help a church and to do some work on a building. I think uh, Shane Vandegrift, I don't see you. I thought I saw you. He was there with a few other guys uh, serving there in the Dominican. And, uh, and so uh, the day before he left, we were joking in the office. He was talking about whatever you do when you go to the Dominican, you don't want to drink the water, at least where they were at. And uh, so we, we continued joke, joking about the water and the consequences. And, um, and so I knew he was not going to drink the water. But I happened to send him a text um, Friday. And I said, hey, have you tried the water? I hear it's really good. It's just a joke. And he replied, ha ha. Well, I, on the way to church this morning, I just got a text saying, I am severely sick right now. Could you please fill in? So I uh, thought, OK, we'll give it a shot. But uh, I feel bad that I joked about that. I guess he did drink the water. I was kidding. I hope he knows I was kidding. But uh, we're in Acts chapter 8 this morning. Please pray for him for a quick recovery. Acts chapter 8. I want to talk to you about the subject of catching chariots. And there's nothing that I believe thrills the Christian greater than being a part of the experience when God providentially from heaven ordains a soul-winning divine encounter here on earth. By the way, if you want to win souls to Christ, it starts with prayer and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It starts with just glowing for the Lord. And when you glow, God's going to say, okay, now you're ready to go. Uh, This is not a tactic. Uh, It's not something that you can just learn in a book. It starts in the heart. It It starts with having compassion on people and having the mind of Christ and wanting to live for God and getting on His wavelength. And and once you get those things going, God just naturally uses us. So let's begin reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and then we'll get into our message. Verse 26, the word of God says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch, eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and, eunuch, and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. This morning, I want to talk to you about chasing chariots. You know, there are chariots all around us. We live among some 300,000 people, all racing uh, the rat race of life, and, uh, and they're all around us. This is a mission field. Hope you know this. this the, God has given us a wonderful opportunity, people, to be around people. And um, I'll tell you, if we can just get in tune with the Spirit of God and understand that, that just when one sinner repents, heaven rejoices. And that in heaven right now, God is trying to arrange a divine soul winning encounter for you to have. When I got saved back in the 1990s, sounds so long ago. And how, how could that be being so young? It just doesn't make sense to me. But the back in the 1900s, uh, when I got saved, I, I heard all kinds of things. I, you know, obviously, we know Jesus said, if you're going to know who my disciples are by, by the love that, that they have for each other. And, you know, that's certainly Bible. But you, I heard all kinds of things from the pulpit, like, you know, spiritual people fish. Amen. You know, like fishing. So I, you know, I thought, well, I better learn how to fish. And there is a principle to that. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will do what? Make you fishers of men. So as we follow Jesus, I'm, I'm just saying you can't follow Jesus unless you're, unless you're into this, uh, you know, fishing for men thing. But I thought I could learn some, some things about uh, winning souls to Christ if I went fishing and I wanted to be spiritual. So I did anything that anybody said. And, and so I thought, well, I'm going to learn to fish. So I was over at Olander Park and... Um, 
you know, I get over there and I see these, these old men, they were always down in one side of the, 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 the little lake there and they're pulling in fish left and right. And I, I just had no idea how to fish. So I came over and I humbled myself and I said, how do you catch fish over here? And I remember this one uh, guy saying, well, I'll tell, I'm gonna tell you a secret. I don't tell everybody this, do you wanna know? And I said, well, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm asking. And he said, you see this power bait here? We're using some of this, but the real secret is, is worms. And he said that the secret is you got to put, you got to warm this worm up. And what we do is we put it in our mouth and just, we warm it up in our mouth, put that on the hook. I'm telling you, you're going to catch something. I was ready to do that. And he said, oh, we're just kidding. We're just kidding, you know, but uh, I'm over there. I'm learning how to fish. I'm saying, Lord, I want to learn some spiritual insight here. And, I, and I'd like to catch some fish and, but, I, but I'm here. I want you to teach me something. And uh, you know, sometimes when we're doing things and we're talking to the Lord, we'll hear, we'll hear God impress something upon our heart or in our mind. And that's what we're actually been studying in, in uh, the, the class at 11 o'clock. But uh, so I've been thinking a lot about that. And at that time, the Lord said, well, you see that guy uh, off to your right over here? I'd like you to go talk to him about me. And I said, well, Lord, I'm here to learn how to fish, okay? You know, and sometimes we have uh, these, these logical excuses that we try to use. And the Lord said, I just want you to go talk to him. I'm trying to teach you something. So I come over and, um, and um, I say, hey, how you doing? And throw my pole in next to him. And I'm trying to get a conversation going. And it's not going very well. Looked like he had a chip on his shoulder and just was not a friendly guy. And I'm talking to the Lord saying, Lord, see, I knew this wasn't you speaking to me, telling me to come over here. And, and uh, the Lord says, just keep going. And, and so um, I'm trying to talk about the natural to swing into the spiritual. And I asked where he lived. And he said, I live right over here in these apartments. And I said, oh, well, do you fish here much? And he says to me, no, I've never been over here fishing. I just had to get out of the apartment where I'm living because the guy, this guy that I'm living with, he won't shut up talking about Jesus all the time. I said, okay, Lord, I think I see how this works. So what you do is you put us around people and then you have something arranged and you kind of guide us to that person. I'm starting to learn here. God says, well, keep going. I've got some more lessons for you. So we're talking and I thought, well, I'm going to give my give him my testimony, how I came to know the Lord and whatever he's telling you about Jesus. If it lines up with the Bible, it's true. And uh, so we're talking. And uh, and so the Lord says, use an illustration, use an object lesson. So his question to me was, what about all the people that have never heard about Jesus? What happens to them when they die? And my response to that is usually, well, well, first of all, let's, let's put your oxygen mask on yourself first. And have you heard about Jesus? Because you're going to have to first give an account for your own life uh, before someone else. And, and so I, th I thought, well, I have this illustration that I use about the heathen that have never heard and how God speaks through creation and he speaks through conscience. And, and I said to him, okay, let me put it this way. Let's say that you're from Zimbabwe. And he looked at me like he had seen a ghost. And he said, I am from Zimbabwe. <laughs> and God says to me, do you understand how this works? You're, you're not going to reach people in your own intellect. 
You're going to reach people when I tell you you're going to reach people. And it's not always going to make sense, but just give them the word of God and sit back and watch me work. I don't have time to go into the rest of the discussion, but I learned something on that day. When God says go, we are to go. And in our story here, I'd like to take a look at this experience that happened on earth, but it was arranged in heaven. So let's go back on this dusty road encounter and look at four things this morning. Number one, I want you to notice a prepared sinner. After we see the prepared sinner, we're going to see a prompt soul winner, and then a pertinent scripture, and then the precious Savior. First, the prepared sinner. Notice in verse 27, and he arose, this is Philip, and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Now, here is the prepared sinner. We notice that he is a responsible man. He's, in, he's second in charge in Ethiopia. He's in charge of all the treasure. It took a responsible man to be in charge of all the treasure. Quite often when it comes to responsible people, they're very influential and wealthy uh, people. And uh, notice this guy, he's, he's got uh, surely servants all around him. He's riding in the Rolls Royce of chariots, probably lit up at night underneath, you know. And uh, I mean, here he is, uh, 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 two claps and and uh, food is brought to him and a snap of the finger and uh, iced tea or whatever it might be. But listen, he was very responsible, influential, wealthy people, guards, servants. He had it all. He was a man of great authority, but he was a lost man. Have you ever made the mistake like I have that sometimes people, it looks like they've got it all together. I mean, they're riding in the Rolls Royces. They are living in the big houses. Uh, it just seems like they have everything uh, that you would think that it, yeah, a person would have to have to make someone uh, 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 happy. And you think, well, well, they've got it together. They probably don't need the Lord. Can I say that uh, the down and out, oh yeah, they need the Lord, but the up and in, they need them even more. Can I tell you why they have more obstacles? Um, when we were on the mission field, I had an opportunity to have an appointment with probably the third most powerful man on the island in Trinidad. He was probably the top five most wealthiest people um, in Trinidad. And I had an appointment with him. I wanted to witness to him. And uh, he was a government official. And I uh, got my appointment and I sat in his office. And he was a Hindu man, very wealthy, very influential, very powerful. And uh, on his shelves in his office, I was looking at all the, the idols as a Hindu in his office probably 30, 40 different idols sitting there. And I was thinking to myself as I was going through the gospel and as he was rejecting Jesus Christ, I was thinking, look at all of these obstacles. But most of the Hindus' gods and deities that he was worshiping, he had all those gods for one reason, to get power and money. And if you know anything about Hinduism, at least on the island of Trinidad, their religion was based around money. 
and they would want this God and that God and this deity and this goddess to help them get money. Jesus spoke a lot about this. And he said it's very, very difficult for a rich man. Can I tell you why? Because when you have everything you need, you get to the point where you think, I don't need God. Certainly God has blessed me. I'm doing fine, thank you very much. I don't know about you, but I've been through the poorest of neighborhoods. I've walked through shacks with no electricity, no running water and witness to people. Can I tell you, those people are hungry for truth. They're a needy people and they'll reach out to the gospel and they'll claim Jesus Christ. But when you walk through the, the neighborhoods with the five car garages and the Rolls Royces and you knock on that big door and they open the door, you know what they do? God, <laughs> I don't need God. It can be very discouraging. Here was a very influential man, a very powerful, wealthy man, but he was a lost man with a soul that needed to be saved. Don't be intimidated by those that it seems like they have it all and they're always laughing and having a good time. You don't see them at night when they put their head down on their pillow. You don't, you don't see their heart. It's a facade. No, not for all of them, but I would say for many of them. He was a responsible man. He was a religious man. He knew that Jerusalem was the place to worship and he wanted to experience it. He probably had an, a, a spirit of expectancy when he came to Jerusalem, the beautiful temple. I think we ought to have a spirit of expectancy when we come to the house of God, don't you? I think we ought to be praying for the pastor the night before Sunday morning. God, would you fill our pastor with the spirit of God? Would you give him the message that we need to hear? Will you prepare my heart? God, I'm expecting you to show up in church tomorrow morning. I need you. A spirit of expectancy. You know what that is? That's faith. That's saying, God, I know you can work and you're alive and you're seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us and working for us. And God, I'm ready for you to show up in church. How many of you prayed this morning for the service? How many of you prayed, God, give us the message that we need to hear? God, I'm ready. I've got my ears on. I'm ready to hear from you. I'm waiting for you and I need you to do something in my life. Certainly this man traveled a far way to get there and he had a spirit of expectancy. Well, you know, he was limited in what he could do. Being a, a eunuch and an Ethiopian, he, he was limited in the temple worship. And by the way, religion will limit you greatly. But what did he see when he got there? Well, he saw crowds of people. He saw ceremonies. He saw big, uh, beautiful buildings, but he did not see God. He didn't see God. Have you ever been there? Many of us that grew up lost, we got to the point before we got saved that we were looking for God. Many of us started attending churches and there are all different kinds of churches. I'll remind you, Jesus is to have the preeminent place in every New Testament church. Unfortunately, that's not so. And he's on the outside knocking to get in. And, and so many of us have experienced dead religion. 
I certainly did. And I was diligently seeking after God before I got saved. And probably for the first time in my life, the religion that I grew up in, I remember going to church thinking, okay, I need something, God. I need you to speak to me this morning. And I went with a ready ear. And being in the dead religion that I was in, you know what I saw? I saw a big, beautiful building with marble floors and high ceilings and statues everywhere. I saw holy water. I saw holy this and holy that. And I saw a form of godliness, but there was no what? Power. There was no God. And I'm telling you, you're going to need the power of God in your life, certainly to get saved. And I can remember after service, I mean, I was actually listening. <laughs> Probably for the first time, I heard nothing. I heard nothing. I went forward after the service, and, and, and I remember just standing right here, and the priest was here, and I said, Father, I've got to talk to you about something. And I remember looking around like I didn't want anybody to hear this, and, and I said, uh, there's something missing in my life. I don't know what it is, but I, I need to find out what it is. And I, with desperation and tears in my eyes, I said, can you help me? And can I tell you what he said? He said, well, on Saturdays, there's a group here that go, well, they go to the park and they pick up trash. I think maybe you should do that. Now, this is a religious man that claims to know God, that has a, a Bible, and he said, go pick up some garbage. You know what that is? That's a dead work. It's a dead work because I was dead in trespasses and sins. And it's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, I needed the power of God to save my soul, not a religious dead work. I knew something was not right here at where I was and just buildings and crowds and ceremonies. Well, this man, he was a responsible man. He was a religious man. He came empty. He left empty. But he was also a responsive man. Notice in verse 28, he was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, the prophet. He had the word of God. He had, he, he had the scroll of Isaiah. Typically, back then, it was only the wealthy people that had the scrolls. You could find the scrolls in the temple, but it, it wasn't like they had, they had a Bible in every home sitting around. Boy, he had a great opportunity. Sometimes we think, oh, if we could just get more money to come in, or if I just had more, 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 more resources. Can I tell you we have the greatest, most powerful resource right here? He had the word of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This was not a happenstance, but it was providence. God was in heaven arranging something here. And I want to remind you, people come to the Lord through the scriptures, through what God says, not through what man says. And, and, and he's, he's reading scripture and that's a very good place to be. Now let's move on to the prompt soul winner, verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Someone said uh, once, uh, We know Philip was not a Baptist because in verse 27 it says he arose and went. It's a dumb joke. I'm sorry. My wife says, Don't tell jokes, Matt. Just don't, just stay away from that. Well, what kind of excuses? 
do we have? God said, go, and Philip arose, and he went. Now, what about you? When God says, hey, I want you to go. Well, I, 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 I've always said I'm a genius when it comes to excuses. <laughs> I'm, I'm not qualified, Lord. For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Some are, but not many. I would have to make a prediction in here or, and say, hey, I think there are probably more people in here this morning that would identify with not being mighty, noble, or powerful, influential. I, I probably would, would say that this morning, and I would include myself into that, but we have no excuses. God's not looking for the qualified. He's looking for those that are available. You see, God's taken all the excuses away. Moses said, well, I can't, can't, can't talk real well. And God said, perfect, you're the man. Whatever excuse you have, listen, I guarantee from heaven, God's saying, perfect, you're the person I'm looking for. You can't get out of it. I mean, again, this word is, is miraculous. It's amazing. It's powerful. This is what we're to bring to the people. I like that word universe. In, in the beginning, God created. God's very creative. You know that? My wife says, uh, my wife loves uh, um, crafts, arts and crafts. And she says, in the beginning, God created. He started out with arts and crafts. You see, Matt? You know, uh, okay. But he is very creative and he's very powerful. In one word, he spoke the universe into existence. Think about that word, universe, one verse. Um, I wanted to do a little experiment at one point, and I wrote down just one verse on an index card, John 3, 16. And I went and I stood in front of a Christian bookstore. It's no longer around today here in Toledo uh, for about an hour. And I interviewed people coming in and out of the bookstore with just one verse, John 3, 16. And I would stop them as they were coming in and say, oh, could I share a Bible verse with you? And that's a really good place to witness to people because they're walking into a Christian bookstore. They didn't say, no, I don't want to have anything to do with the Bible. But what I found out were there are a lot of lost people that go into Christian bookstores for whatever reason. And and I would interview them. I'd say, I want, could I read John 3.16 to you? And then I would ask them, what do you think this is saying? And I, I'm not kidding. For one hour, I didn't have one person that understood John 3.16, that, that salvation comes through believing in Christ. Not one person. I'll tell you what, book, I'll tell you what bookstore it was. Just to, it was the one over by uh, on um, off airport highway in Holland, Sylvania. It's no longer there. Was that, uh, is there a Cabela's over there now? Or you remember that book, that Christian bookstore? That was the one for one hour. And, and I, I would say, well, what does it say about having everlasting life? It says to believe. So is that, is that all a person has to do is just believe in Jesus and you can receive the forgiveness of sins for an hour? Well, no, I mean, you got to get baptized for an hour. Well, you got to still be a good person. For an hour. Well, you have to keep his commandments. For an hour, rejecting one verse of scripture. And God, God taught me, listen, Matt, you don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. You don't have to have all the answers. All you need is one verse because my word is powerful and it will pierce hearts and it, and it will cause people to trust me. Just take the word of God. 
Yeah, but God, I, I, I can't speak very well. That's okay, I've already spoken, amen? Can't talk real good. I'm not, I'm not for sure what you're doing, or I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. That's where faith comes in. I'm too busy. We're to have no other gods. I'm afraid. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. The excuses go on and on and on. Well, Philip, he was an obedient witness. God wanted to use him in Acts chapter 10. We see when God called Peter to Cornelius, God, sent, uh, God, God did not send an angel to bring the gospel message. Angels don't know uh, amazing grace like you and I do. Angels don't know what it, what, what it means when, when we abandon ourselves and we believe on the Lord in our heart and, and that regeneration takes place and we're a new creature in Christ. Angels don't know about that, but you do. And that's why God is calling on you. I'm telling you, this morning, God is trying to arrange something in heaven, a divine soul-winning encounter for you. The question is, are you going to give them excuses? Or are you going to just go in obedience and faith? God didn't tell him why to go out there. He didn't tell him what he was going to do. He just said, I want you to go. And I know that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We take one step at a time. We walk by faith, not by sight. We just walk in the light that God's given us. I bet you there are some young men in here this morning. And I, I, I just know in a church this size, to statistics show that God is knocking on the heart of a young man this morning saying, listen, I've got ministry for you. I want you in full-time ministry. I guarantee it. At least one young man in here, at least one, saying, I want you in full-time ministry. And that young man is giving excuse after excuse after excuse. Well, my, my dad isn't a preacher. No one in my family is a preacher. I, I, I can't get up in front of people. I, I'm not very good with my studies. Uh, and the list of excuses goes on and on and on. And God says, that's right. That's right. That's yep. Yep. You're the man. You're the man. You're the man. And it's going to take surrender and faith and sacrifice. Someone told me years ago, he said, Matt, I've noticed over the years when the people that God uses, there's two elements that I've seen, and it's sacrifice and faith. Faith. Can I tell you how God got me into the ministry? After my long list of excuses, he just said, Matt, follow me. I don't care about all of that. I don't care what kind of grades you get in Bible college. I don't care if you can get up in front of people or not. If you just follow me and stay close to me, that's all I want. That's all I require, and I'll take care of the rest. Can I tell you, Philip knew how to follow the Lord? Not only was he obedient, but he was a very observant witness. Notice in verse 29, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, look now, understandest thou what thou readest? So he was very observant. He just didn't get there and start preaching. He was watching and he was listening, using his senses wisely. Sometimes we can be too quick to speak and not slow enough to listen. And I think we need to meet people where they are. I think we need to get up in some more chariots and just befriend people and love people and be patient with people. 
I think it's a lot easier to tell people, you're just going to hell. And I, my hands are clean. Away with you. Take this gospel track. I've done my duty. What a great soul winner. You're a lousy soul winner. Now, listen, I think there's a place for street preaching. I, I do. Um, in certain areas. In certain countries. Uh, I don't think it's wise to, to preach on every street corner. I think you need to let the Lord lead that. But I, I remember being in New York City uh, shortly before I was saved, and there was a, a street preacher on a soapbox about this tall. It seemed like it was. And I was, my wife and I, we were walking down the sidewalk, and this guy has a Bible, and he's preaching up a storm. And I just remember stopping, and I was just like, I mean, God wanted to speak to me. He had my attention, and I was listening. But we had a lot of distractions around us. And eventually, I, we left, and, oh, that guy's crazy. But God had my attention for a moment through that street preacher. But listen, I don't think we're going to win people, the people that we really need to win through just preaching, telling them they're going to hell. I think we need to learn how to love people and demonstrate, demonstrate the attributes of God patience, being long-suffering, kind, graceful, forgiving. Letting these lost people know, hey, I'm not running away from you. You're not, you're, you're not going to lose me. I care about you. I care about your soul. And, and I want to be a blessing to you. And we stick with it. Aren't you glad that the Lord stuck with you? You know how many times I rejected God over my life? and filled my life with idols and sin and wickedness. And God was so patient with me. And I'm telling you, he was patient with you. And can I tell you, some of the greatest soul winners are the patient soul winners. And you get to the point where you just say, God, I, I can't love this person anymore. They're so wicked. They're on their way to hell. And God says, that's why you need me. Ask me for some more love and patience. And I, I know you can't do this but let me do it through you. That's a soul winner. So he listened. He was patient. So now in this chariot, we have a prepared sinner. We have a prompt soul winner. Now I want you to notice the pertinent scripture. Here he is. And verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Now this pertinent scripture was pertinent because it asked the question and aroused the intellect who is this talking about? Who is Jesus? And this was about Jesus. That was the question of the day. Who is this man that claims to be God, the Messiah? That was the question of the day then, and it is still the question of the day today. Who is Jesus? Can I tell you who Jesus is? He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the Lamb of God. He was the God-man, God in the flesh. And you know as well as I do, he came here for one reason, to pay the penalty for our sins. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 
quoting that, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, Jesus is the beginning and the end. He is amazing, isn't he? He's beautiful. He's our counselor. He's our deliverer. He's the edifier. He's faithful. He's the giver of life. He's holy. He's incredible. He's the joy giver. He is the king of kings. He's the lamb of God. He's our master. He has a name above all names. He's omnipotent. He is the potentate provider. He's the quickener of our souls. He's our redeemer. He's savior. He's truth. He is unparalleled. He is the victor. He's wonderful. He is the x-ray of my soul. He's our yoke fellow. And he is the zeal of the Lord of hosts. This whole Bible, can I tell you who it's about? It's about Jesus. I, I love when, when Jesus was in Luke chapter 24, it says, and, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Listen, can I tell you the, what the best preaching is about? It's about Jesus. Can I tell you what the best verses are about? When you see Jesus. I think good preaching is just opening the Bible and getting to Jesus as fast as you can. Because this whole thing is about Jesus. The pulpit is about Jesus. The carpet is about Jesus. The microphone is about Jesus. The cameras are about Jesus. Even Slim back there, he's about Jesus. Amen? The sound guys, the video guys, the screens, the instruments, it's all about him. So Philip gets in there and he says, oh, I know why this scripture is so pertinent. It's about the one that this lost religious man needs. Oh, he might be powerful and influential and responsible, but he needs Christ. And he gets in there and, uh, and boy, oh boy, he starts preaching up a storm. Now, lastly, I want you to notice the precious Savior. He got saved. He got saved. I'll share with you since I have some time here. I've got a few more minutes. In our 11 o'clock class, we've been going through a series on how to discern the voice of God. I was actually really looking forward to teaching that class this morning, but I gave it off to someone else. How to discern the voice of God. And one of our points this morning, you don't have to turn there, but I'm telling you, if you're going to hear from God and if you're going to get Jesus, you got to get outside the camp. One of my favorite verses in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, don't, don't turn there, but uh, it's talking about the Lord. And, and it says that, that we have an altar where, whereof they, the religious crowd, the, the, the non-believers have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. That would be the Jewish priests. The author here is saying, hey, we got something they don't have. You know what it is? Jesus. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate, outside the gates of Jerusalem. You know what was inside the gate? Man-made traditions. Dead religion, dead works, sacrifices that could not take away sin. And then verse 13 says, let us go therefore unto him without the camp, outside of religion, outside of dead works, outside of self-righteousness. And we got to get out, outside the camp, 
That's where Jesus is bearing his reproach. You know what this Ethiopian had to do? Get outside of all that religion. And he got out in his chariot into a dry, dusty place. But it wasn't really dry and dusty. The water of life was out there. He had the living word of God and he was about to meet Jesus, the giver of life. One that is not wrapped up in religion. I'm saying religion has to go. There's nothing wrong with traditions, but when traditions are elevated to the importance of the word of God, the word of God becomes of none effect and it has to go. We're getting ready for a church plant, Lord willing, coming up here. And you know what my tradition, you know what I want the tradition to be? Not to have any traditions. I don't know how I'm going to work that. We'll word it right. I don't know, but you know what I mean. I, I like tradition. There's some comfort in tradition. And that's okay. That can be a blessing. But when you go to those comforts, before you go to Christ, they're wrong. They're wrong. Remember a preacher saying once, he was a, a pastor in Fairbanks, Alaska, and he said, I put, he said, to my amazement, I, I, I got a response out of a sign that I put up on our church sign. I said, all pastors ought to go to hell. And he said, every pastor around called them, cussing them out. And what are you saying I ought to go to, I, I deserve to go to hell? Yeah, we all do. That's why we need Jesus. That's why this whole thing is about Jesus. Religious people get offended when they don't really trust Jesus, when, they're not, when Jesus doesn't have the preeminent place because all the traditions take place. And you step on those idols and those toes, people get offended. I'm sorry, that was a little rabbit trail. I think I got the rabbit. Let's move on. A precious Savior. He got saved. He got Jesus. And he had to get outside the camp to find him. I'm just saying, if you're going to get saved, if you're in here this morning and you're not saved, if you are saved and you want to get right with the Lord, chuck all the religion and just cling to Jesus. Apparently, we see in verse in verse 34, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I, I pray thee of whom speakest uh, the prophet this or of himself or some other man. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. His heart is being stirred. Conviction is taking place. Faith is, is moving. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, well, well, see, here's water. What to hinder me to be baptized? So I don't know how he knew about baptism. Maybe in Philip's message, he was, he was uh, preaching Christ. And then he mentioned uh, water baptism as a, a symbol, not the source of salvation. Maybe the Ethiopian, as he was driving out, he saw some people getting baptized. I don't know. But, but his heart is moving in repentance and faith. In verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, that's where it's at right there in the heart. Some people miss heaven by, by 14 to 18 inches. They got it here, but they never got it here. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot uh, to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He got the Savior. He was a prepared sinner who met a prompt soul winner who got to a pertinent scripture about Christ, and then he received Christ. And after he received Christ, he followed the Lord in baptism. Could you imagine 
him down in this water and all the servants around scratching their, their heads saying, what is going on here? And here's Philip. He puts his hand on this Ethiopian. And he says, my brother, have you trusted Christ as your savior? And he said, you bet I have. And he said, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, even though he was an Ethiopian. How about that? You know, God's colorblind. There is only one race. There is only one blood. And every, every creature needs a preacher and every soul needs to be saved. And he said, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Puts him down, brings him up. He's spitting out water everywhere. And he's, he's shouting, amen, hallelujah, I'm saved. And I guarantee at that very moment, the Holy Spirit of God said, now I want you to go back to Ethiopia. And that Ethiopian probably said, but, 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 and you fill in all this. I've got responsibilities. I, 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 this is all new to, and the spirit has said, you're just the man I'm looking for. And he takes the gospel back to Ethiopia. I'm telling you, he gets up in that chariot, starts witnessing to all his servants. And, and uh, he says, hey, change that radio station. Hey, put this bumper sticker on there. Honk if you love Jesus. And he goes off that dusty road back to Ethiopia, a saved man on a mission. Happens to be the same mission that we're on. It's never changed. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. No excuses. God's not counting on the angels. He's counting on you. You say, well, where's the 4th of July message? It's in Christ, liberty in Christ, not in religion. I wonder right now if God has put someone on your mind, a scenario, a place to go. Would you just trust him this morning by faith and watch a divine providential experience happen, arranged in heaven, but it'll happen here on earth. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.